Welcome to Decrypt, Asia's first blockchain and cryptocurrency podcast. I'm your host, Tushar. Each week, we take a deep dive into the Asian blockchain scene with investors, technologists, and industry insiders. Go to decrypt.asia to subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Telegram to join in the discussions. Hi, guys. Our guest for today's show is Rahul Raj, CEO and co-founder of Coinex. Coinex is one of India's leading cryptocurrency exchanges and peer-to-peer marketplaces, which is backed by leading investors such as Pantera Capital and Bnext. Rahul is a graduate of the Indian Institute of Technology and has dabbled in various startups and social entrepreneurship initiatives before starting Coinex. Welcome to the show, Rahul. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Could you give our listeners a quick background and tell us about a little bit about yourself before we dive into the interview? Absolutely. So uh, I graduated from IIT Kharagpur in mathematics and computing. That was a pretty interesting course because it gave me a lot of perspective. And the five years at IIT Kharagpur were really formative because I got to uh, get exposure into entrepreneurship through entrepreneurship cell and participating in competitions, uh, you know, B-plan competitions and stuff. Then ended up co-founding a startup back at college itself, but uh, that did not really work out. And then joined a couple of startups, did a couple of uh, jobs, uh, was an analyst before, then became a product manager. And then during my stint as a product manager, I met these amazing guys who became my co-founders later eventually. And uh, uh, that is how we ended up, uh, you know, setting up the exchange. And it was the first exchange in the country. So it was a pretty big, uh, you know, leap that we took there. So that's pretty much how it has been so far in my journey. Yeah. For our listeners who don't know about IIT Kharagpur, IIT Kharagpur is one of the leading tech universities in India. So you mentioned Coinex. So how did Coinex come about? Were you into cryptocurrencies? How did you get involved in cryptocurrencies? Other than myself, the other two co-founders are Rakesh and Aditya. Uh, Rakesh is from IIT Delhi and Aditya is from Bitspilani. Both of these guys are also hardcore techies. So we really had this interesting... Uh, you know, dynamic among the three of us because we used to discuss a lot of startups and tech that was happening in the industry. And independently, we had been following the crypto space. Uh, we had been following about Bitcoin uh, back from college, but then did not really, uh, you know, take too much interest. But then when all three of us came together and we began to discuss about all of this stuff, we also began to personally invest in cryptocurrencies. And this was way before the first bull run that we saw, you know, the last one. Uh, so... We began to invest in cryptocurrencies and there were only a couple of platforms available in the country. And uh, we looked at what was happening outside of the country and it was pretty vibrant and the ecosystem was developing quite beautifully. So we really identified that opportunity window where we saw there is no exchange in the country because the couple of platforms available are operating on a broken model and there is no open order book multi-currency exchange. So that just, uh, you know, created something of a, spark and uh, we ended up deciding that we should set up the exchange and that is how we became india's first fully kyc compliant multi-currency exchange that was uh, operating on an open order book format when you say multi-currency exchange what do you mean i mean that uh, yeah i mean that we had multiple digital assets available to trade on because otherwise the platforms available in the country were just serving bitcoin or ether Right. And no, no one had uh, multiple currency to trade on. So I guess with the latest regulatory developments, you've had to pivot a little bit, but let's start with your initial business when you launched. 
mm-hmm. you mentioned that you were a KYC compliant multi-currency exchange. Uh, could you elaborate a little bit more in terms of what you were trying to do? Were you a fiat on-ramp into all cryptocurrencies or what was your logic in terms of how you built the exchange initially? That, that was the time when ICOs began to be really popular and a lot of uh, ERC-20 coins and Ethereum-based projects were coming up. And uh, people were really getting their hang of, you know, Ethereum blockchain and it was developing so, uh, you know, rapidly. And uh, the protocol was getting popular, the coin was getting popular. So people had developed an interest in altcoins. But uh, in India, only available choices were Bitcoin and Ether. So we began to identify that the altcoin market is, you know, progressing very quickly. And there has to be a platform where multiple currencies can be supported because that's exactly how it's happening outside. But we just don't understand why the competition so far has not launched an exchange or is not supporting multiple currencies. So we began to uh, delve deeper and that is how we identified that this is the opportunity window which people have been waiting for. Because we had been talking to a lot of crypto traders because we were trading initially and uh, we got to know what people are talking about through Telegram and Slack. So uh, that was the entire premise of how we began to think about this more seriously. And then we entirely built the platform from scratch in-house. So the first single line of code that we have written uh, began in-house and we built an entire wallet architecture of ourselves, did not depend on third-party providers. And then we also did a lot of groundwork in terms of legal. So what's what's the current scenario, uh, what's the analogy of regulations is like for other regulated markets and stuff like that. So we did a lot of uh, KYC, AML guideline kind of uh, exercise through uh, a law firm, which is, you know, based in Delhi. And uh, all of that happened. And then that is how we began to uh, test out. And when we began to test the product, it was through a closed beta. And we received great feedback, incorporated that again. And then ultimately launched on 25th of August with four coins, Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum and Ripple. So we began with four coins and these were the four markets are directly against INR. So you had a fully KYC compliant exchange ready from day one, supporting multiple currencies. Sounds great. Uh, So I'm going to delve into custody and legal and all of the things that you mentioned. But uh, the last Mm -hmm. point that you mentioned, I've seen that most of the tokens and currencies on your platform are traded directly against INR, but also Bitcoin, Ether and Ripple, right? Mm-hmm. Is, yes. there a, is there a particular reason why, I mean, I, I don't think this is a strategy that is followed by a lot of exchanges because I think a lot of exchanges have either like, like a Bitcoin Ether, Bitcoin Cash or, you know, a couple of other big currencies feared on ramp. And then most of the trading happens crypto to crypto. Was there any particular reason why you had an INR pair for all coins versus just crypto to crypto? Initially, we never thought of doing crypto crypto because we began as a fiat to crypto exchange and the banking problems only began to happen after January, I would say, or between January sometime. Uh, and then the April 6th directive came out from the RBI and that is when the three month period started for the banking regulations to kick in. So from that angle, we always wanted to uh, you know, run the fiat to crypto exchange. And then on April 6th directive, the response from our team was to also do crypto crypto. And that is when we began to have crypto crypto corridors. So uh, we know for a fact that there are a couple of coins which are really, really popular in the country, uh, apart from the obvious ones like Bitcoin and Ether. So Ripple and Tron happen to be really popular in the country and Ripple particularly so because Ripple saw a huge spike while in the December bull run. So it's... uh, 
it it's something that people found in their budget and they could buy in a lot of quantities and they really found comfort there so we had a particular reason to select all of these markets there was inr corridor which was uh, supporting for all coins because we were a fiat to crypto exchange and we did not want to disturb the entire flow of how users perceived and how users felt comfortable with the product because they were already very accustomed to a certain format of how the exchange operated and then we just kept on adding different markets where these different markets can also serve as base currencies if people want to do crypto crypto so we just kept on adding markets as and when we saw that there is a need or a demand so that is how we ended up having four crypto crypto corridors and then one uh, the inr corridor right uh, what was the customer journey like initially if i wanted to buy crypto i would download your app what were the next steps involved okay so we began with web first so we did not have an app up till uh, you know very early this year okay so so we only were op- available on the web so you typically what happens is uh, you somehow come across coinex let's just say you are you know searching for buying cryptocurrency in india or you get a referral code or something like that then you sign up it's a pretty simple sign up but then there is an extended kyc you submit scans and you submit information including banking information then you end up verifying your mobile number and email address and upload a recent photograph uh, after all of this is done then you declare how much gross annual income you have and all of these things done you submit it for review and then at the back end there is system validation to check all the information is genuine and or not and then also do a manual verification of whatever the system is approved and after that uh, uh, approve of the account and then it gets activated so people can begin trading now once the account is activated uh, you will be shown banking information as to how you can deposit money if you want to buy or there are wallets ready for you of all the coins that are supported on the platform and you can begin to deposit crypto if you want to sell so both ways the wallets are ready and the account is ready so people can choose to deposit money through different kinds of channels available imps upi payment gateway and stuff like that and uh, once the credit reflects they can begin to buy and place their orders in different markets uh, uh, with the order book that is already available to them so that's typically the journey of how a user comes on board right so let's get deeper into how an exchange actually works so you you've actually mm-hmm. you mentioned that you built out this exchange from the ground up including like the first mm-hmm. line of the code what are the different steps mm-hmm. in involved involved in setting up an exchange what are the different factors one has to consider if someone is looking to set up an exchange there are lots of things to think about uh, when you set up an exchange i we believe that there are three very important pillars to the exchange business we'll deal with the business and the product a little differently uh, because they have overlaps but they have really stark independent features as well so uh, if you look of the uh, exchange business then we believe there are three pillars to the entire business it's scalability security and customer support so if you want to build a successful exchange you'll have to always keep in mind that these three things are going to be critical and will define the success and the growth trajectory of an exchange uh if you look at the product scalability and security of course uh, fall into there too but then there also comes other features like how is the ui ux how is the native experience of the apps that you build uh how is the liquidity on the platform how is the entire ecosystem development activity going on around the exchange so there are lots of factors as to how people look at the exchange and whether it's a successful exchange or no so you have all these broad pointers available with you when you begin to write the 
uh, you know first line because i say begin to write the first line because we were just four people when we started so it was not a team that would begin to develop through a systematic process so i'm just recounting how we went about building the exchange so there were just four people a uh, pretty quick discussion for everything pretty agile as a team and uh, you begin to write code you begin to decide which features to go live with which features to ditch in this release how do we plan the beta test and stuff like that uh, there are for the product angle there are major components of how an exchange works there is a trade matching engine there is an entire wallet uh, there is your deployment activity then there is security there is infrastructure for scalability there is the uh, hot and cold wallet architecture that you write uh, all of these things along with the entire ui ux navigation flows and stuff like that so there are multiple components to how you uh, look at the exchange as a product and then you begin to decide all of these things and uh, to the scale that you can build in a relatively short amount of time so you figure all of this out and uh, the wallet security and the scalability because when the market goes into a bull run or a bear and not everybody panic sells or like crazy buys all of these times the system can get really really clogged and then that is when scalability really matters so all of these things are primary uh, you know components of building an exchange you could build also an exchange through white label solutions and uh, third party integrations but you will not have that much control and you will probably be stuck with whatever they are providing to you as a service and your updates are going to be pretty difficult for example supporting hard forks so building the entire exchange from ground up also allowed a lot of agility to us because we could decide very quickly on how the product evolves and what are the things that we can support and not support and what are the things that we can provide extra to our user base so that kind of flexibility and agility uh, proves to be really important in a fast moving environment like crypto so all of these things combined and then that is how you know you deliver after the first round of testing the final product to the users uh, just a quick point that you mentioned which i'm very curious about you mentioned that if you pick up a white label solution then there's a problem mm. with in case there's a hard fork what is what is the exact problem that takes place so uh, i'm essentially meant third party so let's just say you're taking up a white label solution or you are integrating with a wallet there are two different scenarios there to be honest but i'll just it's easier to explain about the wallet so let's just say you take a third party wallet and integrate into your system and then the third party wallet does not support a bitcoin hard fork so when that happens then since you are dependent fully on the third party you will not be able to provide those hard fork tokens to your users because then that involves a complicated process of actually putting the uh, you know wallet address and then retrieving the public key uh, or the new wallet address uh, from the public or uh, private key that you already have so all of this is going on in the background so all of these things are actually a lot of hassles because if you don't do this carefully then you may get really fished and uh, all the top tokens can also be lost because you're providing private keys uh, at some point so it's a pretty tricky business and not everybody wants to get in there it also uh, becomes a pretty big hassle if you have to maintain multiple blockchains on the exchange so you get selective as to uh, which ones deserve the effort so all of these things uh, matter and then let's just say the third party service provider decides not to support a hard fork then your users will end up asking for the fork tokens because it's still some free money and if it's free money everybody would want to have their fair share so they would want but you will not be able to support but since you have your own wallet here you can choose to make the modifications spin up new blockchain nodes if required for the new uh, you know hard, hard fork that happened 
and then those tokens begin to appear for a new wallet and then you can easily store that back into your wallet architecture and distribute the uh, equal proportion values or values to the user base that you could easily do if you have your own wallet architecture written and where would you source your crypto from as an exchange i mean would you work with like market makers and liquidity providers or would you do the market making yourself okay so uh, we never did something like that all the liquidity that appeared on coinex was completely peer driven so we never made any market ourselves uh, we never approached any liquidity provider or never integrated with one uh, it was all liquidity which was built organically by the user base in india alone and uh, that had its own benefits and that had its own uh, you know shortcomings also for example you don't see that rapid a growth uh, as you as you want to because the liquidity is build, being built organically and you're not you're not pushing too much to you know buff that up from external inputs the other thing is that this entire organic uh, you know liquidity that was built on the platform was through innovative techniques that we employed directly into the product so for example we incentivized selling and selling was completely free and buying was uh, you know charged so selling free was a great indicator of how to increase selling liquidity because there was a long line of buyers but we wanted to identify and incentivize selling on the platform so that people will come and orders uh, will get matched so we incentivize selling that way then we also uh, you know introduce something called an intraday trading program and then it's all about how much you trade and how much volume you do and then if there are certain brackets after which you are supposed to get refunded with all your trade fees that you have paid plus also get some percentage of the trade volume you know fee that we generated so it was an incentivization mechanism for people to begin trading so that really pushed people to become intraday traders on the platform and when they become intraday traders they buy and sell together so liquidity automatically begins to grow so we incentivized it that way then we also set up another uh, interesting uh, program called the associate program and in the associate program we identified through community channels and uh, through uh, you know uh, in requests and incoming requests and outgoing requests to people and identifying folks who will be providing liquidity in the first place and these are all high profile traders so uh, essentially just use them to incentivize them and uh, bring them on board and tell them that there is a huge new platform that is you know springing up and this is probably all that you needed so uh, this is where you should be trading actually so that is one of the other ways that you incentivize and uh, uh, encourage people to begin to use your platform and then as soon as the trading activity began to uh, increase in india the entire liquidity shifted to coinex and we became the largest in the country i mean i'm just curious and maybe this is not the smartest question the initial crypto like if if i'm just getting onboarded into your platform and i'm i'm presuming that initially there would be no sellers right or what what happened like i'm just trying to figure out like how the initial liquidity was was formed i mean yeah so yeah sorry. so these yeah these associate programs that i'm talking about yeah. is something that began before the product launched okay. so we began to identify sellers before we went live because it's a chicken and egg problem you have buyers and you have sellers or you you don't have either so buyers are not coming because sellers are not there and sellers are not coming because buyers are not there so it was a chicken and egg problem and you really had to have some kind of initial liquidity to ensure that the first buyer gets served and then you can see what to uh, you know do about liquidity next what the first buyer has to get served so uh, that is what we did to you know incentivize people and identify sellers before the product went live and got them on boarded and then as soon as the product went live there were already certain orders piling up
Okay. And at the peak, what was the highest trading volume that Coinix saw? So it was near the last week of December and we did a peak of $265 million. All right. Awesome. And your business model was, you said that you would charge a transaction fee for, uh, for the buyers. Were, were there, yeah. was there any other uh, way that you generated revenue as well? Or was that the key one? No. So there was just one way of generating revenue and that was buyer trade fee. And that too, it was a tiered structure, globally competitive. Uh, so depending on your 30 day trailing trading volume, you are put into a bracket for the next trade. And then depending on that bracket, you are charged a, uh, a different fee for that particular order. And that's a small percentage of the entire INR value of the trade that you're trying to place. So that was the only revenue source that we had and we did not monetize any other component of the product. Okay. Uh, and as far as I remember, Bitcoin was trading at, at some point, uh, almost like 10, 10 to 12% at a premium compared to what it was in India, compared to what it was trading at in, in the US or say Singapore. What was the reason for that? Okay. So there was an automatic premium on this. There were two to three reasons for that. First, the people who were trading in good volumes, those people were moving some money around and they would buy here, sell there, try to make their arbitrage strategies work better and stuff like that. So these guys would try to buy from international exchanges because price is low and then they would end up uh, uh, or it may be also just for access. So they are buying outside because there is access. So uh, these guys are buying outside. Then they are paying a forex charge for the conversion of the currency. Then they pay a trade fee and then they bring it here. So they pay a network fee also. And then by the time they are here, uh, they want to, you know, counter for all that uh, loss that they've incurred or the cost that they've gone. So they would want to add a premium on the price that they already purchased it at. But then the other contributing factor, which was also really critical, was that there was a huge demand that was piling up and there was not enough supply. Because they're not mining, there's so many mining pools in India. There is not too many market makers in India. This business is not regulated in the country. So the liquidity that way automatically was not being generated in the country. So the people who were actually buying from abroad and selling it here, they were trying to build liquidity and bring, uh, you know, liquidity in the entire market. So that was another reason. So there was a long line of buyers and there was a short line of sellers. So that also spiked the price automatically. We briefly touched on the regulatory developments for the benefit of our listeners. Could you clarify what is the, the Reserve Bank of India or RBI's stance at the moment regarding cryptocurrencies? You mentioned you had some banking trouble starting Jan and then RBI came out with a ruling on the 6th of April. Could you clarify what that ruling was? Okay. Uh, I'll give you a very quick background of the entire regulatory scenario of cryptocurrencies in India, and then we'll quickly yeah. touch upon <laughs> the RBI awesome. directive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, because this is this is one of the interesting things, right? Yeah. So uh, RBI on multiple fronts has come forward and issued public notices or cautionary notices to the entire you know country and saying that virtual currencies are not uh, legally backed or any asset backed, and the government of India does not rec- uh, recognize virtual currency yet. So there are no legal recourses and stuff like that. So please uh, refrain from indulging in such activities. That was the cautionary note that RBI kept on uh, publishing once in a while. So that happened like for three years consecutively, one note every year. And then we heard about uh, committees being set up that would recommend how to regulate this because a demand began to you know, be pretty obvious. 
So that happened and those committee reports were never made public and none of that actually ever went into news. So nobody really knew what, what was happening with the committee that were being set up, but uh, there is no responses. So, and the activity in the meantime was uh, on the rise and exchanges began to appear in the country. So after this long period between, you know, for example, we entered the market uh, in a very, you know, ripe time. We were like right there at the uh, correct time frame in the trading history of, you know, cryptocurrencies in India. So we went into the market and it was an exchange and it was the first exchange in the country and there was just a bull run about to happen. So just people just flocked into the platform and Bitcoin hit its, uh, you know, highest of 20K at that point of time. So during that period, there was a lot of trading activity happening. So the RBI suddenly, you know, I think the problem that happened was they were not open to listening to the exchanges because they have been constantly trying to reach out to regulators and telling them that we are willing to be regulated, but they are not just uh, that open-minded that they would entertain such kind of a request or try to build a regulatory sandbox where people can, you know, set up businesses and then graduate from, and then only the people who graduate from those sandboxes actually appear to get licenses and then set up businesses later. So, uh, these things were all, you know, proposed and we wanted to get regulated. We also came together and formed an association of all exchanges under the IMAI. And uh, then we had a self-regulation charter of sorts, which all the exchanges would abide to. And it was like fully KYC, handling uh, KYC, AML very seriously and doing compliance properly and stuff like that. So all of these things were proposed in the self-regulation charter. But all of these discussions were not taking shape. And uh, the banks suddenly began to act a little funny and we began to hear cases of bank accounts being shut or traders being, you know, uh, questioned or statements being held and just saying, you know, the branch managers are calling their clients up and asking what is this activity that is going on in the bank accounts. So the banks began to be more strict and uh, the exchanges when, when they asked banks to open bank accounts, they were just completely denying, uh, you know, service to this client. And then we heard about the ROC, which is the registrar of companies, uh, come out and say that we are not accepting any more applications for companies that want to register now and set up cryptocurrency exchanges in the country. So that happened as a move. And after that, uh, the banking problem began to get severe, you know, severe and uh, more and more bank accounts were getting shut. People's credit cards getting blocked. Uh, it was a yes, no, yes, no in many countries across the world, but uh, India was seeing a little bit extra turbulence. Uh, and then April 6th happened when RBI came out with a directive and that directive just said that all RBI regulated entities that would practically include all financial institutions in the country, uh, all RBI regulated entities are to exit their relationships from virtual currency businesses and individuals within a period of three months. So that came out on April 6th and then all the banks had formal written backing of RBI and this was presented as part of the monetary policy. So uh, when it came out on April 6th, so it was presented as part of monetary policy and then it began to become enforceable in the next three months and that time ended on July 6th. So after July 6th, all the banks have exited their relationships. Uh, the operations accounts or uh, the business expense accounts, these have been 
left untouched and these have not faced too much problems only the trading accounts where people's money was flowing in those accounts have been shut and some exchanges have also seen uh, a little bit of money getting stuck here and there once in a while that was also a little bit of discomfort for the exchanges to do business in and uh, so that was the entire situation now banks have all exited the relationships and uh, that is why there is a blockade at the source of how banking channels operate and give services to different kinds of merchants or businesses and that is where the current situation is other than this entire development after the rbi directive came out uh, the committee of exchanges that was formed uh, they have intervened in the supreme court and the intervention is basically to challenge the rbi directive and uh, look for justification as to why this was taken as a step while a discussion was pending and there could be ways to uh, make this work and get this entire industry regulated as the larger countries across the world are doing so uh, this was in supreme court as an intervention to this entire directive and after multiple hearings now 11th of september has been decided as the date when the supreme court is giving out its final verdict on this directive and that will practically be a milestone in the journey of cryptocurrencies and blockchain in india because that will also be deciding as to how we look at the short term future of this entire industry and this technology development in the country so uh, so in light of the regulatory developments i see you've pivoted to a peer to peer marketplace which you're calling coinex loop yes so how does this work i mean there's still uh, i mean first i guess you could talk a little bit about i guess it works similar to how local bitcoin or local ethereum works yeah uh, for the benefit of our listeners who may not know how such a marketplace works perhaps you could talk a little bit about how that works and also i see uh, i mean if you if you could include the part about how fiat is being taken care of because i see that there are still bank transfers involved um or maybe we can handle that separately maybe you can give a quick intro about how a marketplace works yeah sure first of all before i begin to discuss the marketplace itself i would like to uh, just tell you that loop is actually not a pivot and it's actually another product that has come out of the you know same company and the okay. same team has produced these two different products okay uh, uh while we began to develop loop the core thought was that after the rbi directive becomes effective uh, there is not going to be a you know established way of how people will transact and they would switch between inr and crypto and that's going to be practically blocked because the exchanges have not been provided any kind of banking support and that means all payment gateways all bank account transfers and stuff like that so there was no way to make this possible and that is when we realized that there is a huge user base there is a wallet ready and there is an entire market that's just waiting for the solution as to how they can still continue to trade in fiat currency and if that is possible then the market is not dead and then we have a lifeline and which time we should be able to uh, you know take conscious efforts to you know support the narrative and then we'll also have to wait for what happens on 11th of september to take the next steps like so that was the entire thought that was running in our heads and without a established way of transacting with fiat this asset was practically dead this entire uh, asset class of cryptocurrencies and tokens in india if there was no inr conversion possible then this asset would be dead and people would want to exit their positions as quickly as possible and only the long term holders would want to continue holding 
the coins and then wait for a couple of years in which time they would hope that the regulations come in. So they are not really bothered, bothered with the long-term holding pattern. So we began to ideate and we established you know, that we are going to build a peer-to-peer -peer product. And over the course of the development of the product, it turned out to be a beautiful synergy between Coinex and Loop as a peer-to-peer -peer product because they began to form an ecosystem of their own. Now, the same Coinex account that you have, which is KYC verified, and you have been familiar and accustomed to uh, how the entire platform works, the same account can be used on Loop also. You just need to set up one extra parameter called username. And then once your username is set up, you are good to go with your same Coinex account to function on Loop as well. The same wallets that appear on Coinex also appear on Loop. So whether you are trading on Coinex or you're trading on Loop, You'll always have a tab of you know what your wallet situations look like now the idea here is that coinex still is an open order book exchange and there are crypto crypto corridors to do frequent trading activity and that is where people would want to trade as much as possible and continue to uh, you know optimize their portfolio and maximize their gains so while they book their profits in let's just say bitcoin or ether there has to be a conversion you know, format that they would go through. So the same wallet that is holding their profits also appears on Loop. So they just log in into Loop and then they can go to a marketplace where buyers and sellers are interacting with each other and they can try to cash out their profits directly for fiat. And this is going to be a peer-to-peer -peer banking transaction that facilitates this. And Coinex Loop only acts as a platform where people begin to identify who to trade with. Now, there are, there are certain improvements on loop uh, compared to local Bitcoin, but uh, we'll get there after we discuss a little bit about how this entire thing works. So the marketplace is uh, a platform where buyers and sellers can interact, uh, discover trades and get them to execution. So let's just say you are a buyer and you want to buy some Bitcoin. So you want to put in more capital into your trading and you have certain parameters as to how you want to buy Bitcoin. So what price, what, what amount, uh, how soon can I buy this and stuff like that. So if you have certain parameters in your mind, you can go to the listings page and see the sell listings of Bitcoin. If there are certain orders uh, that match your criteria, then you can directly show interest. And if you don't find any orders present on the order book that uh, match your criteria, then you can create a listing of your own and you can put in those requirements so the same way happens for sell also and when people show interest into each other's orders and the other party accepts that interest then that trade gets logged and there is as soon as the order is created for sell the amount in uh, you know custody automatically moves to an escrow and that is logged for the transaction period they've also introduced something called uh, collateral and then we have collateralized trading. So to add more trust to entire trading activity, we have introduced uh, collateralized trading where other than the transaction amount, you also have to have a little bit of escrow, uh, sorry, a little bit of uh, collateral that also goes along with uh, the escrow amount and gets logged. So if people are to default or if people are to uh, you know, cheat, then in these cases, there is going to be a penalty that can be imposed on you and you have certain extra to lose rather than just the amount in question. So that was one way to uh, add more trust to the entire trades.
So that's that. And then once the trade gets matched, there is a timer that kicks in and the buyer is supposed to send money to the seller. So the banking information is displayed. And in, in this process, we have also included as much technology as possible to make this as seamless as possible. So we have included a peer-to-peer -peer chat. So you don't have to reveal any private information because you are just recognized through your usernames and badges. And uh, there is a peer-to-peer -peer chat. So you can begin to chat directly with the person and understand uh, what is the entire dynamics there, whether they are adding beneficiary and it will take a little bit of extra time or will they do it through UPI. So these things can be discussed over chat and it, the platform automatically shows if there is a user that is online or is last seen two minutes away or you know one day ago. So that way people can see the recency and the activity of every user. So uh, other than that, if the chat is becoming, uh, you know, let's just say the person is not online and there is something urgent that you want to communicate. We have also integrated IVR. So you could do masked calling to the other party and uh, without revealing your actual telephone number, you get connected over phone and then you can discuss a lot of stuff uh, and then go back to the club, you know, portal and begin to uh, take actions. So that way it's a lot of technical solutions that want to facilitate the, you know, trade activity. And once the trade is completed, the seller marks uh, I have received and the buyer has already marked I have paid. So uh, when the, all of these pointers are captured, then the trade automatically executes. Uh, the escrow amount goes to the buyer and uh, the collateral goes back to the seller and then the trade is set. That is how the P2P works. And it has only been about three weeks since we launched Loop, but already we are seeing good amount of uh, you know, traction coming to the platform. And interestingly enough, we are seeing an average trade completion time of 15 minutes. So for a peer-to-peer -peer product, it is a new benchmark that so seamlessly we are able to settle trades that the average trade completion time would come to 15 minutes. So that's a little bit about uh, you know, the peer-to-peer -peer product that we have. Amazing, man. I think you've done so much in the last one year. Thanks. <laughs> I'm presuming you've already talked about the improvements uh, on local Bitcoin, right? Like things like mass calling and things like that. Or is there some separate features well beyond whatever you've talked about, which improves? Yeah, there are certain, there are, there are more uh, improvements to local Bitcoin. And they are, there are some on the principal levels and there are some on the auxiliary levels. And, you know, you can uh, call them feature improvements and stuff like that. So on the preliminary level, the thing is that local Bitcoin does not come with intrinsic trust and uh, KYC is optional. There are all channels available. You reveal private information. Uh, a lot of people call other people to meet at certain spots where they can do the transaction, which is also pretty risky. So that way, the trust factor automatically does not come up in local Bitcoins. But here you've got a system which is facilitating trades between all KYC verified users, all Indian nationals. Uh, all who are already users of CoinEx. So that adds to another level of trust. And through our platform itself, the trade does not require for anyone to move. And we have tried to include all payment channels that people will be easily using. So that way the trades can happen much more fast. That adds to a little bit of trust. On top, we have collateral, which is not present in local Bitcoin. So that's another level of trust that we have. Uh, other than this, the entire experience of how peer-to-peer -peer can happen is fine-tuned to uh, speak the story of this is one step closer to decentralization. How? Because you are now not dependent on a central escrow system for INR. 
other than that you save on network fees so if you are transacting on local bitcoin then you have to move bitcoin to an escrow so you use transaction fee there and then once the escrow releases the funds to the buyer then there is another transaction fee included and then local bitcoin also charges 1% of trade fee so in this transaction on local bitcoin you will end up incurring quite a substantial amount of hit on your trade and on coinex it's happening within the ecosystem so you don't lose out on transaction fee at all and currently loop is a free product to use so it's absolutely no charge for you to trade on loop so for free of course you can move uh, convert your crypto into inr or maybe infuse more capital if you want to trade more so that way it's uh, it's a superior product compared to local bitcoins so i see that the uh, and you mentioned this as well that the fiat aspect of this trans of this transaction takes place through different channels could be imps rtgs neft or upi are there any challenges in terms of limitations on the transaction amount or any tax implications that the buyer or seller need to be aware of while taking advantage of this platform that you've built okay so we again went back to the drawing board when we wanted to set up you know the development process for loop so we did the legal aspect of loop as well and we drafted another set of terms and conditions that were applicable to users of loop on top of the terms and conditions applicable to coinex users so it's added uh, conditions that people have to agree to and uh, there are things that people will have to be mindful of which we always keep telling them uh, that being you have to have a sense of how you manage your accounts uh you have to have a sense of how you are managing your transactions so for example if you end up writing buy bitcoin in your transaction remarks then obviously people are if if the bankers at your end are not comfortable then they will take notice of this and probably begin to question you for your transactions and maybe end up blocking your account so maybe that is one of the precautionary measures that people should take to not mention that they are doing this uh explicitly because there is no regulatory clarity right now other than that if your transactions happen to be too frequent uh, or maybe too high value so all of a sudden and there is no gradual uh, movement as to how you do trades then that spike or that velocity movement can self trigger some kind of an alarm in the banking system and then uh, your your bankers would call you up and ask you what's happening so there are things that people will have to be careful about if they want to continue trading through legitimate channels now if if you balance it out with multiple bank accounts infrequent transactions uh being being wary of what to write and what not to write what to disclose what not to disclose and stuff like that then you should be okay to trade for the tax it's uh has it has always been our communication to our users that taxes are not to be evaded and uh while there is no asset class definition and there is no classification of how much tax there should be or stuff like that for you know cryptocurrencies as an asset class uh we still encourage people to talk to talk to their tax consultants and understand if they have made profits uh or if they hold crypto that has appreciated in value then just get it evaluated from your tax consultant and it's anybody's guess as to how much uh you know they are supposed to pay so for all non regulated assets and if there is an income on that then it's just assumed that it's going to be 30%. So if you are ending up paying 30% of the total uh, profits that you have made, it should be okay. So taxes are not to be evaded and uh, if you are sorted with all of these uh, you know pointers, then it should be okay for you to trade and uh, uh, continue to experience the entire 
movement of the market i mean it seems still seems like it's it's a little bit tricky right at the moment yes i mean things are things yes. are completely black and white i mean you still have to be no and i mean so i come from india as well and and you know based on whatever i know about indian people in general i'm actually quite surprised that there is a significant amount of trading activity i mean typically the general population is pretty wary of regulators in general and mm. regulatory bodies so i mean it's it's surprising i mean i'm not sure what kind of activity you're seeing at the moment and i know you've only been live for 3 weeks we are seeing we are seeing interestingly enough a good amount of traffic coming to loop uh, we have now begun to push loop further into the trading communities and to present them as a healthy alternative to whatever they are doing right now maybe trading on local bitcoin so so that is what we are doing as an activity so we are seeing interesting traffic uh that is how i mentioned that there is average trade completion time of 15 minutes and we have received really positive feedback because we have included that feedback form onto the platform because we wanted to see and investigate as to whether this product is being received well or no so uh, we received really positive feedback about how people uh, enjoyed using loop we are now in the process of developing the mobile app for loop and uh, once that development completes we'll be out with the mobile product as well which is also going to be uh, you know powered with lots of features and uh, will enable for seamless transactions and seamless trading on mobile so that's also coming up uh, but you're right it is tricky for people still because the banks can take any type of view and uh, the bankers as i said have got uh, formal backing of rbi to continue to support this as long as something does not change which we hope will change on 11th of september so that is also why uh, the volumes have dropped in india because people who are trading also they have taken a you know closed view and they just want to wait for 11th of september to see what happens and then they can either choose to continue doing trading in india or abroad or uh, you know strategize somehow as to what the next steps will be for them so uh, everybody is spooked and everybody is just waiting because it's right around the corner and that is why the volumes in india have dropped it's also not a bull market as of now so uh, the prices themselves are not moving too much and uh, the coins are not performing that well market cap has also shrunk so all in all it's a little bit of a lean period for cryptocurrencies but uh, 11th of september will practically decide uh, what the future is like for indian ecosystem at least and does your roadmap depend on that so yeah i understand uh, not quite because we very quickly identified uh, you know as soon as the rbi circular came out that uh, if india is a dicey story or if india is uh, going to be indecisive for a little while longer then in that time of uh, you know indecisiveness what uh, what should we do as a company and how should we proceed so uh, our roadmap is taking shape uh, pretty uh, quickly and that is why it came to our mind that we have to build something like loop because it was not the, it was not the initial plan so now with the product like loop and looking at how it completes an ecosystem we have got certain ideas of our own and uh, we are now shaping that uh, next step as to how we have to proceed but the important thing to do right now is to focus on uh, the product make it world class complete the development of mobile app and get the product ready and uh, which time in which time we'll see 11th september hit and then we'll also have a lot of clarity as to uh, what we have to do in india and what we have to do outside of india and uh, uh, stuff like that so that way it's an it's an interesting date but is your focus going to be the loop product or are you looking at products beyond that as well we 
so the team inside coinex is you know pretty vibrant we are all you know the average age in the team is 25 years everybody is pretty pretty enthusiastic wow and uh, uh, we are really firm believers of blockchain and a lot of uh, conversations just keep randomly floating around the office so uh, the team is pretty uh, you know pumped up because there was an intense period of loop development and then when positive feedback began began to you know pour in we were really happy with how the product has come up and this was the first time that the product was designed by actual designers and you know we got them on board like uh, a couple of months ago so it was the first time that a product came out of our you know team and uh, it was beautifully designed all thought of it was not a lot of patchwork it was more about doing everything in process and do that in a very short time frame so it was pretty interesting uh, so i was just saying that the conversations in the office are pretty vibrant as well and uh, people talk of a lot of things that are happening in the space talk of blockchain as a technology and keep on discussing improvements and stuff like that so lots of ideas floating around and uh, uh, we essentially want to become a blockchain company so there are definitely things that we are looking at and exchange happened to be the first product that made immediate sense for the indian market and we began from india as a business so we focused on what we have to do in front of uh, this entire market opportunity that we are presented with so we began with the exchange but now as we are growing in team we are already 60 people in the team now so as we are growing in team size and uh, maturity and experience uh, we are looking at other blockchain domains and we're looking at the space in general and seeing where the next opportunity lies while we continue to have a core focus on the exchange business so that's a broad perspective of how we are placed right now so what do you make of the blockchain and cryptocurrency ecosystem in india in general like are there any interesting developments that you see there are things that have begun to move a little bit uh, but there is still a lot of clutter and a lot of noise in india and things uh, are not that clear in terms of how the ecosystem wants to develop within the country i would say to some extent that is actually the case with the entire blockchain ecosystem and uh, it's similar across the globe there's a lot of noise there are so many projects not all of them are performing uh, there are so many funds that are coming up and everybody is talking about blockchain in a way that uh, you know it just feels like it's too stressed upon and blockchain also could be a, a significant component in a larger stack for let's just say a revolutionary product that is coming up so uh, once people go through the entire you know intense period and begin to see clearly after the uh, fog has shifted a little bit then we'll see more solid projects come up and then the ecosystem will develop uh, more towards you know a healthy format where blockchain would be looked at as something that is you know really important and integrable into the current infrastructures and people will be open to adopt and there will be regulatory clarity and blockchain would have solved some major technical problems like scalability so to push mass adoption so all of these things are contributing to how the space is evolving and then when more and more serious people begin to jump into uh, blockchain based businesses or products then we'll see a much more rapid development of the space and uh, we are seeing little of that in india right now it's it's it has got a lot to do with uh, how we have a tendency of playing the catch up game uh, and also because we are taking a regressive view of the yeah. uh, you know entire regulatory fabric right now but but uh, to be honest we are seeing little in india but now the interest is uh you know spreading so consensus has set up a team in india uh, a lot of international participants were there at the 
blockchain conference in Hyderabad. And we got to know about teams that want to set up base in India or at least set up uh, a subsidiary team in India. So that way, the interest from international uh, players is also picking up. And uh, the governments have also begun to talk about blockchain a lot more. But uh, it's still strained because uh, not everybody knows what they're talking about. So we need a little bit more clarity and more open discussions and they should be taken in a positive spirit to see how we can spin the narrative towards development rather than looking at this regressively. So I know we're running out of time a little bit, but in general, in the blockchain and cryptocurrency ecosystem globally, is there any project that particularly excites you? We really got excited about a couple of of projects. First of all, Ethereum is this prime example of uh, you know, how they've taken the entire ideology and philosophy of blockchain and decentralization and spun around an entire, you know, protocol of itself, which is by far the most popular. And I, I, I uh, really feel more compassionate for Ethereum than Bitcoin because it's a smart contract platform and you could build decentralized applications on top and serves multiple purpose rather than just serving the purpose of being a currency or a store of value. So Ethereum has like tremendous potential and we're just looking for scalability solutions. And once that kicks in, then I think people will look at uh, a project like Ether way more seriously, which is already the most popular for launching ICOs or building dApps and stuff like that. So we're really excited about that. We also were really excited about the basic attention token because you have this Mozilla co-founder who has set up a browser and uh, you are just revolutionizing the entire advertisement space and the middlemen are eliminated and the users are incentivized to uh, contribute to ads and view ads and consume ads. So you're getting paid for doing all of that because of blockchain. That was also a pretty interesting concept. In fact, uh, we were in line to get some tokens, basic attention token uh, when their ICO was happening, but they raised $36 million in 30 seconds and uh, we just kept standing in the line and we did not get the first hand. So uh, I think these are the couple of projects that we really like. All right. Uh, before we wrap up, is there anything that you would like to talk about that we may not have covered in the interview? No, it's just, uh, I think we have covered a lot of things. Uh, I yeah. just, the, worst, the one thing that I would like to tell is that this is a new technology that is exciting to everyone. And we've already missed out on the internet boom, but uh, we should not be able to you know, like we should be able to see that this is big and this has to be adopted into our entire economy growth. So I think people will have to be more open-minded and uh, we should have these conversations like the one we are having to talk about uh, important stuff and stuff that matters more often. Hold conferences like the one that happened in Hyderabad more often. And uh, these, these open-minded discussions that people will have will probably drive the adoption further and we'll see more serious projects come up and then more support kicking in. And then I think uh, we'll be where they actually want to be in terms of being an advanced economy that works very technology enabled. All right. That sounds great. On that note, let's end this interview. Rahul, thank you so much for taking the time to come speak with us. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. It was great talking to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Telegram, and subscribe to our newsletter on decrypt.asia. This is your host, Tashar. Thank you for listening.